Isaiah chapter 50, if you will, please. That's my window-washing preacher friend from New Hampshire. He does that when there's a small crowd, too. Isaiah chapter 50, a whole lot of things you want to say in a meeting like this. I remembered as Brother Fleur preached so wonderfully, a mentor I had named Paul Vanneman. Dr. Vanneman would call me up on Monday and preach the sermon to me that he preached on Sunday, as he's still excited about it. And I'd take notes, and if I liked it, I'd be done studying for the week. We took a trip to Washington, D.C. to lobby for Christian schools. We'd had a busy day, been to a White House briefing with the then Secretary of Education, Bill Bennett, been to a reception with the former Secretary of the Interior, James Watt. We get back, retired, three of us in the same room. I was sitting down reading my Bible. The other brother was reading his Bible. Dr. Vanneman sat with his Bible on his lap. It was as if he was the only person in the room. His eyes filled with tears, and he said, precious old book, blessed old book. At his funeral, Dr. Herb Noe, who pastored for many years the Galilean Baptist Church in Livonia, Michigan, told about talking to Dr. Vanneman, and Dr. Vanneman had a verse he'd just gotten so enthralled by and intrigued by and excited by and blessed by. And he said, Herb, you know what I did? He said, I leaned down and I kissed that verse. And he said, when I did, I felt like I had kissed Jesus. Thank you for a wonderful service. Tremendous sermon, Brother Fleur. As I listened, I found out we have something else in common. Uh, you were saved on my 24th birthday, September 27, 1976. Wonderful meeting. Thank you so much for letting me come. Thank you, Brother Gravely. Thank you. Church for putting this on, nice room, great meals, wonderful fellowship. And I'd be all right if we just went home. Now, the preacher said he wanted another sermon. He may be sorry once I'm done. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10, who is among you that feareth the Lord? That sounds good. That obeyeth the voice of his servant? That sounds good. That walketh in darkness and hath no light. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Behold all ye that kindle a fire, that compass yourselves about with sparks, walk in the light of your fire. And in the sparks that ye have kindled, this shall ye have of mine hand, ye shall lie down in sorrow. Help me, Lord, to say what you want said and not be a hindrance to the marvelous work you've already done this day, I pray. And meet with us and draw us to yourself and encourage those who need this truth. And we'll, we'll thank you for what you do and trust you to be guiding us now. In Jesus' name, amen. The ten northern tribes of the nation of Israel have already gone into captivity. The two southern tribes feel threatened and they fear that they have been abandoned by God. God sends Isaiah with a message of hope, of help, and of deliverance. He says in chapter 49 and in verse 14, But Zion said, The Lord hath forsaken me. My Lord hath forgotten me. But it answers, Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. 
Behold, I've graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Our text gives us a prerequisite. These are good people. They have some things right at the very beginning. The Bible says that they fear God. And they obey the voice of God's servant. That's interesting. It doesn't say they fear God and they obey God. It says they fear God and they obey the voice of God's servant. Did you know that you are obligated to obey what the preacher says? Unless it violates the word of God. The Bible says whose faith follow. The Bible says obey them that have the rule over you. And submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as those that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. So these people are doing that, but they have a problem. The Bible says they walk in darkness. Does that ever happen to people who are God's people? Does it ever happen to people who are God's people and are right with God? She went to Bible college, met a young man she thought was a great young man, married him. Became a teacher in a Christian school, joined our church, taught at a different school in our area, a Christian school. Tried to raise her two little daughters for God, and one day her husband said, I'm leaving. And she's alone on a Christian school teacher's salary trying to raise two little girls. Nobody to take out the trash or fix the leaky faucet or help with the discipline, and she's got to work full time. She came in my office one day, and she put a picture on my desk. It was a drawing by her younger daughter. The drawing had three stick figures on one side of the paper and one stick figure on the other. In the middle, there was a heart and a jagged line drawn down through the center of the heart to show that it was broken. She said, my daughter gave me this picture, and she said, that's how I feel now that Daddy left us. And then she said, what do I tell her? Brother Grings, Harold Grings, went to the mission field in 1917 or 1918. Wasn't married and wasn't a Baptist. Found a wife on the mission field and found right doctrine in the Bible and became a Baptist. Came home to help Bob Jones Sr. start Bob Jones College in Panama City, Florida in 1927. Went back to Africa with his wife and now five children. They were on an old wooden boat that was going to take his last journey and then be retired. And there was so much space on the boat that they had a printing press, they had a car, a vehicle, they, they had all kinds of materials. They were going to go to a larger city and spread out from there into the villages and reach people with the gospel but the boat began to leak. They had no radio. The only thing the captain of the vessel could think of to get help was to set the ship on fire. They did. And a Dutch freighter going the opposite direction came by, saw them. They were rescued, but almost all of their possessions were lost. And they're going the wrong way. And Mrs. Green said to her husband, Daddy... We're going the wrong way. We've lost all of our materials and things we're going to use in the ministry. Maybe God doesn't want us in Africa. 
He said, oh, God wants us in Africa. He just wants us to be able to travel light. No man's ever been on vacation with a woman has not had that desire. Nor has any man been on vacation with a woman that has had that desire fulfilled. They went to a village that had never seen a white man. The natives received them kindly. And Brother Griggs began to preach and tell them about the God that had made the universe and his son, Jesus, who had come to pay for their sin. And they listened politely and kindly, and nobody got saved. Mrs. Griggs developed a reputation as something of a midwife. And we'd go to ladies in that village and neighboring villages. She got the fever real bad and she hadn't quite recovered but a call came from a neighboring village and she went out and she ministered to those people. She came back and laid down. The fever came raging back and she died. They had to bury her the next day under that hot, humid African sun. The calls began soon to come from home. You've got to come back. You can't be alone with your five children and no wife in some village in Africa. Nobody had even gotten saved. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? But after we see the prerequisite and we're told their problem, God gives them a prescription. He says, here's what I want you to do. Now, it's pretty simple, so don't just brush it off because a lot of simple things are really important. And a lot of things we think we know, we need to be reminded to do more than know them, but to practice them. Who is he among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, and walketh in darkness, and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord, and stay upon his God. Faith, trust in the name of the Lord is God. Fortitude, stay on his God. I like what Brother Ness said, I can stay. Somebody asked me today, why'd you stay at the same church for 44 years? I said, well, when I, when I went there, I was aware that God had tended to use people that stayed one place or another a long time. The population of the town is down 50% from the time I went there. Eight years running, we're the most violent city in America. Our buses have been shot. Our bus workers have been shot at. A kid 10 years old, a few years back, brought a loaded 9 millimeter on the bus. Our people handled it perfectly, but it made the news. I always do interviews. I figured it's a chance to tell the right side of it. They wanted to interview me on that. I said, no way. We've been running those buses for 40 years, and you haven't had a word to say about it, and now you want to criticize it. Gang fights frequently have broken out on our properties, and I could tell you all the stories. We've had, we have a ministry for men with addictions. We've had people commit suicide. We had a lady's home for a while. A lady put a sheet around her neck and jumped out the window and hung herself, and the ladies came back from a shopping trip to see that. I could tell you all of that stuff. And it's not always been easy, but I figured I wasn't the best-looking preacher in town, and I wasn't the smartest preacher, and I wasn't the most eloquent preacher, and I wasn't the most educated preacher, but I figured Look at this probably one thing I could do better than the rest of them. I could stay. But God says you might not want to do that. Because I know what your human nature is. You, you would like to walk in the light of your fire. 
and the sparks that ye have kindled. Now he said, go ahead if you want to. But this, if you do that, shall you have a mine hand, you shall lie down in sorrow. You know what? You don't need to take the whole army. Well, there's only two, 3,000 people in that little town called Ai. Now, we always focus on the fact that somebody had taken the things that were set aside for God. And we always talk about the fact that, that there was sin and it had to be dealt with. But do you know that they didn't ask God about not taking the whole army? Do you know what happened after they dealt with Achan's sin? God said, take all the men of Israel with you. It wasn't his idea to take a few. It was their idea to take a few. Hey, uh, Joshua, we heard you're really strong and powerful, and we would like to make a league with you because uh, we, we want to be on your side. Oh, we said we can't make a league with any inhabitants of the land. Well, that's all right. Now, look at how old our shoes are and see these, uh, uh, these loaves of bread that are all moldy and see these water bottles that are about to crack open. Why, they were brand new when we started out. We live a long way away, and the Bible says that Joshua and his leaders asked not counsel of God. And they said, sure, we'll make a league with you. They were walking in the light of their own fire. Cain, don't get upset that I didn't take your sacrifice. There's one out there available for you, but I want a blood sacrifice. But Cain said, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I, I'm going to go ahead and do it my way. I'll give my sacrifice, and if not accepted, then I'll murder my brother walking in the light of his own fire. Can I tell you that I think there's a whole bunch of people today that are walking in the light of their own fire. You think you need some new Bible. Did you know I've never had anybody say, Brother Gravely, Brother Willette, I was reading the Bible, and as I read the Bible, I became convinced I needed a different Bible. You didn't get that from the Bible. I never heard anybody say, uh, you know, Brother Willette, as I read the Bible, I think we're wrong to have church so much. I believe it's wrong for us to have a Sunday night service. We're harming our people and interfering with their family life. I mean, they need to be home watching filthy television programs on Sunday night. Not meeting in the house of God with God's people, singing God's music and hearing God's word. You didn't get that from the Bible. You didn't decide to have bar music and smoke shows and lights flashing around because you read it in the Word of God. You didn't become a Calvinist by reading the Bible either. You read what somebody said about the Bible. Hey, there's a whole lot of people walking in the light of their own fire. I'm bothered by the way a lot of our young families are raising their children. I think they got too much Dr. Phil and not enough Dr. Jesus. I think they ought to be reading the book of Proverbs a little more and listening to some psychologist a little bit less. I, I think they're walking in the light of their own fire. I get a lot around a lot of preachers. I love them and they're great people. But you know, Lately, I've run into a few, and they seem to be proud of their conflicts. The stories all go like this, and I told him. And I said to him, and I said, and I, and I, and I, and I. I don't know. I thought I read this verse as much as lieth in you. If it be possible, dwell peaceably with all men. 
I read some verse about the sweetness of the lips increasing learning, not the snottiness of the lips. I, I mean, I'm for hard preaching, straight preaching, plain preaching. I'm not for harsh, mean, fleshly preaching. If people get mad when I preach the truth, I'm okay with that, but it's not my goal to make them mad. It is my goal to bring them to an acceptance of the truth. It is my goal to get them to do what the Bible says they ought to do. And can I say, the, the, almost every problem we have, if not every problem we have, is because we don't walk in the Spirit. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. You should hear my, and he didn't even know what to say when I was done talking to him. I was preaching a church in Roanoke, Virginia, and there was an evangelist there. I'd known about him just a little bit and uh, just barely knew who he was. And I went to say hi to him. He said, yeah, I was preaching at church every Sunday. I was sitting down in Sunday school looking at preaching the church time, and he said, this man came up, and he said, you're sitting in my seat. And I said, I don't see your name on it. He said, well, I always sit there. And I said, you're not sitting there today. <laughs> and then the evangelist said, you should have seen his face when I got up to preach. Yeah, I bet he got right with God. <laughs> I bet he was open to the Spirit of God. I said, well, just imagine what his reaction would have been if you had graciously let him have that seat and then got up to preach. And he said, oh, I never thought about that. God thought about it. <laughs> the Bible says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also in the things of others. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. You didn't get that pugnacious, I want to punch everybody I can attitude from the Word of God. You're walking in the light of your own fire. I love what the brother, Brother Gravely, has said about soul winning. I mean, you can't hardly get anybody to preach on soul winning anymore. I used to go to meetings and they talk about how many people they had saved. Now they talk about their per capita offerings. But you didn't get the idea that, that because you don't like the way somebody else goes soul winning, you don't have to go yourself. Well, I don't care how you want to do it. Take four hours if you'd like to. Read them the entire Bible, but get to the point that you tell them about Jesus. You sit home and do nothing and criticize people trying to do something. You are walking in the light of your own fire. You get in trouble, you don't walk in the spirit. You get in trouble, you're not dwelt with, indwelt with the word of God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It was a long time ago. First book of the Bible I ever memorized was the book of James. And uh, there's a lady in our church. She got saved in her church or husband or kids, her sister, her husband or kids, another sister and her husband and their kids, all in our church doing great. And she heard I was going to perform a certain wedding. I wasn't, but she heard I was going to, and she got mad about that. And she said, if he does that wedding, we're not going to let him do our son's wedding. When I heard that, my fleshly reaction was, well, lady, in the first place, you're wrong. Second place, ain't none of your business whose wedding I do or do not perform. In the third place, I don't give a rip whether I perform your son's wedding. <laughs> so I picked up the phone to tell her that. 
I was punching her number. I can still tell you the number, 777-1495. But I've been memorizing this verse, and it just sort of zoomed to the front of my mind. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Oh, brother. So I hung the phone up. But I'm a pretty good Christian. It wasn't three or four minutes later. I was ready to call her again. I picked up the phone a second time, and a second time the Word of God kept me from that, and I tried a third time, and a third time the Bible came, and I finally got the message. That lady stayed in our church 20 or more years after that and was a member until she moved away to South Carolina. Her husband recently went to heaven, and she's gone all these years, and he went to heaven never knowing. I was upset with him. You know why? Because at least one time I wasn't walking in the light of my own fire. What do you do? Trust and stay. Oh, that lady, I didn't really know what to tell her. She just kind of muddled through. Stayed in church, paid the bills best she could, gave the best instruction she could to her daughters, and I lived to see the day that I got to perform the weddings of both of those young ladies to fine young men and saw that lady go on and have a wonderful and a happy life serving God. You know why? Because she trusted God and she stayed. It wasn't long after they buried Mrs. Grins until one of the natives came and said, Missionary, Tell me about Jesus. And he got saved. And another one shortly after that, missionary, I want to know about Jesus. And he got saved. And another missionary, long after that, another native, I want to know, missionary, about Jesus. And there were so many getting saved, he called them all together and he said, look, I've been here for months and months and none of you gotten saved. Why are you getting saved now? And they said, missionary, we knew your religion was good enough for living, that we didn't know whether it's good enough for dying, that we've seen your songs of joy in the midst of your tears of sorrow as you place the body of your wife under this African soil. And now we know it's good enough for dying. And it was 13 years before Brother Grings and his five children went home to America. And they are now the fifth generation of missionaries, hundreds of them serving God around the world out of that family because somebody decided to stay. Eighteen ninety, the Stead family went down to the beach holiday. Lily, the daughter, and Louisa were playing on the shore, making sandcastles. Husband was just sitting in the chair on the sand, and he saw somebody out in the water struggling like they're drowning. He, ought to try, he thought he ought to try to go help them. If you take life-saving, they'll teach you pretty early that that's really dangerous. People grab you in a death grip, a panic grip. They teach you to reach out, grab their opposite hand, pull it so they're backwards, put your hand under their chin, your elbow under their spine, and use your other hand to swim back. Mr. Grings didn't know any of that, and he went out to try to help that young man, and the young man grabbed him, and he drowned. No aid for dependent children in 1890. No food stamps. Lily 
followed her mother, and her mother did the best she could, Louisa Teresa. And one night as they went to bed, Louisa said to her daughter, we need to pray that Jesus gives us some food or we don't have anything to eat tomorrow. She looked down and saw her daughter's shoes worn, holes in the toe and in the soles. And she said, let's pray that God will give us enough money to buy you a new pair of shoes. They prayed. They went to bed. Louisa got up in the morning, went to open the front door. It didn't want to open. She pushed a little harder, and there was a big box full of groceries. And inside the box, an envelope with a $10 bill, way more than enough money in 1890 to buy a pair of shoes. She made the breakfast, and she fed Lily, but before she ate anything herself, she took out a pen, and she began to write these words, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus.'" Just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. They went to town and bought shoes, and she watched Lily running around, not worried about stepping on a stone or a pick or a broken piece of glass. And she sat down and she wrote again, I'm so glad I've learned to trust him. Precious Jesus, Savior, friend, and I know that thou art with me, will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust him more. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant? that walketh in darkness and hath no light. Let him trust the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Father, help us. Thank you for this wonderful meeting. In Jesus' name.